You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. One of the beautiful things about working on this show and being part of this community is all the amazing women I meet through the Feisty Menopause membership and our social media channels. And one such woman is this week's guest, Dr. Carla DiGirolamo. We were having a discussion on the membership space, bemoaning how little the medical community really knows about menopause. And Carla joins in and says, I have been a practicing physician in the OBGYN field for 15 years, and it is shocking how little the medical community knows about wellness. She went on, got on her soapbox and said, that's why she is part of CrossFit Health, which is, as it sounds, doctors who do CrossFit and believe that exercise and a wellness-centered lifestyle can be powerful medicine, and that women need help and answers now, not when the medical community catches up who knows when. So I immediately was like, hey, Carla, let's talk on the show. She has so much to share. And we just had a really great conversation. We dig into the benefits of CrossFit and why CrossFit hasn't always had the greatest reputation. We talk about how older women still get this message that they are too fragile to lift heavy, especially beyond age 50, and really how to overcome all these obstacles and take charge of our health. For her part, Carla is certainly doing all she can. She is a double board certified reproductive endocrinologist, obstetrician, gynecologist, working as a reproductive specialist at Boston IVF in Waltham, Massachusetts. She is ranked among the top doctors in the Boston area and is listed as a provider with the North American Menopause Society, which means she has gone that extra step to become menopause certified. She is also a CrossFit level one trainer, a certified nutrition coach, and Lay Mills body combat and body pump instructor. She recently wrapped all that together and has launched an online personal training and nutrition coaching business, Fit for Life MD, that specializes in the care of women in all age groups, but with a special interest in, you guessed it, peri and postmenopausal women. In short, she is a passionate powerhouse of a woman, and I am so stoked to have her on our team and have her on the show this week. Okay, my little weekly reminder to check out those social media channels. You can find our communities of like-minded women at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have a private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook channel where you can pretty much ask anything that's on your mind. And if you want a deep dive into all things active menopausal living and interact with women like Carla, we've got the Feisty Menopause Membership, where we offer in-depth materials, expert webinars, and sponsor discounts. You can learn all about that at feistymenopause.com. And a little reminder, some of you have been using it. Thank you very much. I have an email. If you have ideas for guests or just just want to drop me a line, I am at hitplaynotpause at livefeisty.com. And finally, thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for sharing the show, the great reviews. It's been awesome to see the show continue to expand its reach, and it's because women like you are taking the time to subscribe, 
hit those hearts, give us five stars. It makes such a difference. I can't even begin to tell you. So thank you. Okay. Have a quick word from our generous, awesome sponsors, and let's get on with the show. Women who ride bikes, and I am most certainly one of them, know that finding women's cycling clothing can be an exercise in frustration, right? And that's why I am so psyched that one of my favorite women-owned and operated clothing companies, Velarosa, has come on as a sponsor of Hit Play, Not Pause. Velarosa's kits feature bold, beautiful, colorful prints and patterns. And the collections, which I really love, are designed so you can mix and match the coordinating pieces to get more mileage out of your cycling wardrobe. Best of all, they fit like a dream. The chamois is super comfortable and perfectly placed. The yoga waistband hugs your midsection without digging in anywhere. And the leg bands are like 100% functional and flattering with no squeezy sausage leg effect that is a big nope for me. Whether you like to ride pavement, gravel, dirt, or your local trail system, Velarosa's got you covered beautifully. And now, thanks to their sponsorship, Hit Play, Not Pause listeners can get 15% off their first order at velarosacycling.com. Just enter the code HITPLAY, all caps, one word, at checkout. Again, that's velarosacycling.com, the code HITPLAY for 15% off. So go get some sweet Velarosa cycling clothing today. Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need, and track my recovery, sleep, and progress. So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out-of-whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah, all while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out, all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. So go to insidetracker.com slash menopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's insidetracker.com slash Feisty menopause, I can tell you, it works. You know, as you mentioned in our in our membership group, you're a medical professional yourself, and <laughs> you've been practicing in the OBGYN field for 15 years, and you expressed dismay, as we all have, that... Mm. There's, you know, the medical community just doesn't know that much about wellness. And it's not just in the women's specialties, but sort of across the board. And you shared 
that I that I would just want to sort of start with. You shared that peer review paper, which was which was great. It was menopause and exercise, right? But you know, it, it weighs in on all the stuff that that we hear. You know, you get more belly fat and your metabolism slows. And then it also says that women significantly reduce their exercise during this time, which is something that I wrote in the 1990s, you know, for Prevention Magazine. But it it never really, these papers just don't go into that next step. It makes it sound like, oh, you just quit. Like women just quit. We know from this audience that we just talked about that they're not just wanting to quit, right? Like there's all kinds of stuff going on that is their wellness. Their, their hormones are changing and they're not sleeping and they, they've got no mojo because their brain chemistry is off. And like there's, they've got joint pain. I could go on and on and on. Um, there's many reasons that women specifically and significantly stop exercising. And they know that they'd be benefit, they know they benefit from being active. Um, but when I read things like, the weight gain and reduction of metabolic rate is accompanied by reduced activity as women significantly reduce regular exercise during middle age by 40%. I just kind of want to, my head explodes. Yeah, no, I hear you. And you know, when, when you raise that particular part of that um, article, I went back and I read it and I picked up something else. And I think this opens the door to the larger conversation. And the, the, the part that I was reading is the accumulation of abdominal fat in postmenopausal women is important for the development of insulin resistance. It's like, well, wait a minute. How do we know that the insulin resistance isn't causing the weight gain? So it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did this weight gain then cause the insulin resistance or is it the insulin resistance with the hormone changes causing the weight gain? And that isn't even addressed here. And Nanette Sanforo is a pretty smart cookie. And then I thought more about it and it's this pervasive, attitude of, well, we're getting older, we should just accept it. And here's two pills for your hot flashes and an antidepressant and go, you know, go have a good night's sleep. And that just doesn't cut it. You know, I mean, we're, we deserve better than that. And we are better than that. You know, we're not stopping, you know, we're doing our 14th Ironman at 54 years old, for God's sake. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, who has time for that? So I think what it is, and you know, I think the intention of the article was good, just acknowledging that exercise is good, but there's that undertone of still the whys don't really matter. This is just something we should accept. And I think that's where it, it lacks. And, yes. and, you know, when I took Stacy's course, I took Stacy's menopause for athletes course. And I'll tell you, I took it as a physician in, you know, in women's health for 15 years. And it was eye opening to me to take that course because it was like, wow, there really is a lot of science out there on the benefits of nutrition and the impact of nutrition on our hormones and everything else. Why isn't anyone in medicine looking at this? So it's that missing component. And so instead of, you know, physicians now learning more about those things, it's just easier to say, well, you know, you're getting older and it's mm -hmm. just the way it is. And, um, and I think there really is a lot of work to be done to bridge that gap. A hundred percent agree. And then if we want to build an another, maybe longer bridge, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done to bridge the gap to us, to athletic women, to women who are, you know, I mean, they're, they're just trying to bridge the gap to just women who are meeting the, you know, the, the exercise requirements or trying to meet the exercise requirements, which are, which our audience does on a Saturday morning. That's you know, right. 150 minutes a week. 
that's two and a half hours or something like that. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not that much time. Right. Right. No, absolutely true. Absolutely true. I think the medical community doesn't understand athletes at all. Um, unless you're an athletic physician, you know, if you are the trainer for the Celtics, the trainer for the Patriots, you know, if you're a trainer, then, um, you know, not to exclude other, cause I know you have a wide audience. Other sports teams are good too, you know, not just the Patriots and the Celtics. <laughs> As a Philly girl, I, I've got, I just ignored that you said that, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise there's just not a real understanding out there. So absolutely. You're right. It's, it's like, it's like a, a footbridge and then, but there's still another bridge to hold for the real, um, the, the, the elite athletes out there. And even the, the, the recreational ones who, right. you know, maybe they're not elite level, but they're still competing in local competitions. You know? And even if you're not, it's funny. Um, Carla, I just, I just wrote about this before we got on, on this call is that, that so many women, and I talked to one, you know, who was on the show last week, Tanya Dalton, who is training for an Ironman, but don't want to call themselves athletes. Right. Um, and there's this idea that, well, if I'm not in a Nike ad or whatever, I'm not an athlete, but I actually looked up, I went, I'm like, what is the definition of an athlete? And it's actually just somebody who could participate, like competes for prizes. Like that's actually the, the genesis of that word. And if you look at athletes like John Daly, I mean, he's an athlete, right? Like that he's a, he smokes, he drinks, he's a golfer. He can hit the ball real far. He, I mean, technically he's an athlete, but like anybody who is performance minded, whether or not they tow a line or go to a CrossFit game or, you know, try to win a podium spot or a prize, they're still an, they're still an athlete in that they are exercising with the, with a mind for bettering themselves and they enjoy this physical pursuit, Right. Oh, totally. I, in CrossFit, every person that walks through that door is an athlete. Um, doesn't matter, you know, are, 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 you, are you missing limbs? Are you doing your first uh, workout ever in your life? Or are you a seasoned CrossFit Games athlete? Everybody's an athlete. And I think that is also reflected in what fitness has done since the 1980s, right? I mean, I remember when I was 15, when I first got into the gym training for high school sports and stuff, you know, first of all, that really wasn't common, you know, in 1985 girls to be training for their high school sports yeah. and then especially and in also, the gym like lifting weights or anything it wasn't done totally i mean it was the, it, there were gym rats and then it was like everybody else but if you look at where fitness has gone it's become so much more inclusive you know you got zumba you got every possible type of movement known to man out there to be inclusive to everybody which i think is has been awesome to watch over the last 25 and um and yes everybody's an athlete and i think that that um definition of athlete has evolved with time as fitness has become more inclusive which is fantastic we'll, we'll talk about this in a little crossfit has gotten some crap over the years for for reasons you know we'll, we'll get into but i i i have contended this since its inception and i've watched it and i've watched what has happened with women that the the, the best thing that in my mind crossfit has done is not only sort of like framing that athlete when they walk in the door, as you said, but really embracing different body types and empowering women who live in bigger bodies and who are like to, to find their strength and to see themselves in a whole different light. And I think that has been remarkable. Absolutely. And, and you know what else struck me the first time I walked into a CrossFit gym was there's no mirrors on the wall. So 
I mean, I taught, and I know we'll talk about this later too. I, I, I have taught group fitness in the past. I've done body combat, body pump. And, you know, you go into a fitness studio in the gym and there's mirrors on all four walls, right? So I walk into a CrossFit gym. I'm like, okay, where's the mirror? You know, how do I make sure that I'm doing this deadlift correctly or whatever? And they're like, there's no mirrors in here. And then I realized the beauty of that is that it's not a focus on body image, it's a focus on performance and you kind of leave body image at the door. You know, no one's kind of checking themselves out in the mirror, making sure that their butt looks good in their spandex. I mean, people are more like, what is my starting weight for my deadlift today? You know, it was so refreshing to not be so concerned about my body image, but more about I'm going to get fitter today. Right. Right. So, so in your combining your passions here, you know, your medical side and your wellness side and your, your getting fitter today side. So you, you, you talk about um, CrossFit health, you know, when you, when you came into our membership and started talking, you're like, CrossFit health is, is what you saw is something that helped bridge this disconnect, you know, between medicine and wellness and all of this. Can you talk about what CrossFit health is? Sure, sure. So CrossFit Health was an idea from the former CEO of uh, CrossFit to now take this fitness revolution, which changed so many lives, and now use it not only to get people fitter, but to cure chronic disease. Because the belief was that the root of chronic disease is lack of fitness and lack of being healthy and that you could essentially cure these things if you could just get fitter and get healthier with your nutrition and your fitness training. So that was the underlying principle in starting it. And so what they did was, is they sent out feelers to all the CrossFit boxes all over the world, looking for physicians who did CrossFit. And so they recruited all of us and got us all together and said, look, this is what we want to do. And then as we all started getting together, talking about the problems and how we can contribute, we realized modern medicine doesn't really think about fitness as a cure. It's just kind of a side thing, you know, that people do when they get home from work and didn't really appreciate, you know, the benefits of this. Even though it's the number one predictor of longevity. Sorry, I don't mean to. (laughs) You're so right. You're so right. It's true. And again, it's because they don't know much about it. You know, we in medical school, we don't learn really anything about fitness and nutrition. It's really sad. Um, I mean, I went to medical school a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, But really, you don't learn anything about this. So what happens is, is that these silos form with walls between them, between, okay, there's medicine. And then there's wellness and they don't interconnect. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And I remember my first week of medical school, they were serving breakfast for some orientation thing. And there's, you know, there's croissants and bacon. And I'm like, we're supposed to be doctors talking about being healthy and look at all of this, you know, unhealthy food. I thought it was very ironic. Of course, I had some bacon myself, but it was just very ironic. And, but that's where it begins. It's like, we really don't get a lot of education on fitness and nutrition in medical school. And then in residency, who has time for that, you know? Um, and, uh, and so the, the, the problem just gets perpetuated. But what do they think causes disease? You mean CrossFit health? No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I do want to get to CrossFit Health, but now I'm so, I'm so in this, in this 
dark place with what you're talking about with medical school. Like, I like what, I mean, what do they think causes disease? <laughs> right. I know it's, it's a great question. You know, it's a really great question. What causes disease? Well, the heart just goes wrong with it or, you know, well, blood pressure just goes up, you know, it, 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 the why isn't always really addressed. It's just learning about the disease and learning about curing it and treating it and not necessarily figuring out why it happens. It's, so it's kind of crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So go back to CrossFit Health. So th this is obviously trying to address this chasm that we're talking about. Yes. And, and, you know, the physicians in CrossFit Health are really, really passionate about this. It's like, yeah, well, you know, it's changed my life. I got off my blood pressure medication and, you know, they have patients that they said, you know what, you know, go to the CrossFit gym, come with me to CrossFit. I'll introduce you to this. And then there's the community aspect of it. So not only is it curing chronic disease, I mean, it's curing depression. It's giving people a purpose. There's been big pushes for people with substance abuse to recover with CrossFit because they're part of a community. People with PTSD, I mean, it goes way beyond even just physical disease, but mental disease as well. And, uh, and so there are doctors out there that actually have their offices in the CrossFit box and they incorporate CrossFit as part of their treatment of their patients. So their patients come to see them. They're usually like sports medicine type docs. And they say, okay, you know, let's do your x-rays, let's do your blood work, whatever you need to do. And then let's, you know, let's do some personal training. So they integrated by physically having the doctor's office in the CrossFit box. Um, many of them do that. Many of them do as I do, where we just try to incorporate, you know, what we know about fitness and nutrition into our medical practice. Um, but these doctors are actually providing the physical avenue to get that fitness by providing them a CrossFit membership um, as part of, you know, a subscription or, you know, whatever kind of plan that they offer. It's really quite amazing um, how they are integrating medicine and wellness. And uh, we're just trying to do it more globally. So a couple of questions stemming from that. When I, when I look up CrossFit Health, and I think I sent this to you, like what I, what I see is quote unquote, the definition is uh, global fitness and health revolution sprouted from a prescription of constantly varied high intensity functional movement leveraged by meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch and no sugar. Like, is that a tenant that you, that you have on your wall? Or is that like, talk to me about that is like, if I go, to, if I'm interested in CrossFit health, is, is that all paleo? Am I a paleo person? Because that's, oh no. Okay. No, no, but it is on the wall. Okay. okay. <laughs> the wall. It, it is, it's the, uh, it's the foundational element. Um, it's the foundational principle of CrossFit. It's about, you know, the type of fitness, which is, you know, constantly varied, high intensity functional movement. And the piece about nutrition is that, you know, you want to reduce your refined sugar. You want to reduce your processed foods. doesn't mean you have to be paleo. It doesn't mean you can never have dairy again. It just means a more balanced, it symbolizes a more balanced nutritional approach. Okay. Um, you know, not a Snickers bar for breakfast or whatever else, even though we've all done it and I don't right. condone it. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you can't do that every morning. Right. right. Not recommended. So can you, can you talk a little bit too about uh, some of the, and, and this, I feel like this is a bit more of what, what became an extreme arm of CrossFit, you know, the rhabdomyolysis and the orthopedic stuff and, you know, the, 
the, the things that became so Uncle Rabdo, the things that became associated with CrossFit, the bad videos that kind of gave it a bad name. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the way CrossFit was originally designed, and it's probably more, it's way more than a decade old at this point. Yeah. It's each CrossFit affiliate, which is basically a CrossFit box, a CrossFit facility. Each affiliate is an entity in and of itself. It runs itself. It's its own business. This just is the business model of what they developed. And so you had each individual box all over the world um, doing their own thing. And, you know, there's pros and cons to that. You know, it's nice that, you know, the manager of a box can do whatever he or she wants. Um, but at the same time, there isn't a lot of cohesiveness and there isn't a lot of, I don't want to say standardization because you never want to necessarily standardize everything, but maybe more like quality control or some sort of check-in about, okay, what are the standards of practice of coaching uh, CrossFit athletes? And so, I think that was probably responsible for a lot of the variation that you would see in some boxes where you had people, you know, showing the 60 year old, you know, uh, person who's 300 pounds, how to deadlift and they pulled their back out because they weren't really coaching them the right way. So as CrossFit has evolved over time, their courses and training for CrossFit coaches has also evolved over time. And more recently, with the change in the leadership in CrossFit, um, there was there's a new CEO that came onto the scene about a year ago or so, maybe a little less than a year ago. And what CrossFit needed at this point was more cohesiveness. This independent model was just not working anymore. Um, and I think it's because it got too big. I don't think the original founder CrossFit expected it to get this big and it just kind of outgrew its original uh, model. So now it's much more cohesive. And I think you're seeing better coaching because there are better coaching courses and continuing education, education for professionals. And there's a higher standard of being labeled or being able to be a CrossFit affiliate. Um, there are certain things you have to do. There are certain requirements you need to meet. So I think that's getting better over time. But yeah, I mean, like, like any sport, you know, if you don't have a good coach, you know, you run the risk of injury and, and whatever else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, what have you seen personally? Like, how do you practice with your CrossFit health? Do you, do you see people like if I came into you, am I seeing you as a CrossFit health doctor? And then you work with me in that capacity? Like, how does that actually work? Well, the, the CrossFit Health Network, it's in its infancy right now. And what okay. they're trying to create, there's probably 600 or 800 doctors worldwide as part of this organization. And right now, they've just started a database. So if you go onto the CrossFit website and you look under maps, and then if you there's a drop down that says physicians, it will tell you where all the CrossFit health physicians are. You know, there's like two or three here in Massachusetts, and there's, you know, a bunch of others in other cities. I mean, they're building that database every day and they're trying to make a more formal referral network. But when patients come to see me, like, for example, I had a couple um, who is seeing me for infertility and they both really did not have very good eating habits. They were both very obese. And so I took them on as personal training and nutrition coaching clients. And I am also managing them as their fertility doctor. And so I've been taking care of them for... Um, let's see, for a number of years now as a doctor, but as, as for four months as a coach, and now she's pregnant and she's going into her second trimester. So I integrated the medicine piece with, you know, the coaching piece. And, you know, like right now, 
she's heading into her second trimester, we have to modify exercise um, because certain things you shouldn't, shouldn't do uh, just because your body is changing. And so I can help her with that. Whereas her OBGYN is like, well, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't oh, exercise. Oh, for God's sakes. Oh my, don't right? ever start me. Don't get your heart rate over 140 and all the stuff that we were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which has been debunked, by the way. Oh, I know, I know. But the stuff that gets entrenched, it's... It's, it's nuts. It's yeah. nuts. And so, yeah, so I'm helping her with that. And um, so, you know, they're my clients. And I help her husband, too. You know, I, I train them both. And uh, and they've uh, he's lost about 30 pounds. Um, she's pregnant and she's lost about 20 and they're happy as can be. So that's how I integrated into my own practice. No, that makes sense. And that's, that's a, it's a very, it's a, I mean, you are practicing what you preach, which is what we would hope all, you know, our, our medical professionals do, but they don't, you know, and we, we, yeah, we see it, we see it too much that they don't. Um, talk to me a little bit. And this is, this is all my curiosity. Cause I, you know, sometimes CrossFit also has this sort of a reputation for, you know, you only run if something is chasing you or, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not cardio friendly. Um, in your mind, like if you were to explain like what CrossFit looks for someone as an exercise prescription, what would that be? So what's different about CrossFit from a lot of other ways of training in sports is the change, the rapid change in adaptation between energy systems. So we have three energy systems. I think Stacy talks about this in her course. Um, you've got the glycolytic system, which is your explosive, quick muscle contraction that helps you do that deadlift. And then you got your phosphorylated pathway, which helps you do those long distance run. And these are just metabolic pathways. Yeah, yeah. Either you go out for a run or you do a heavy lift. But when you put the two together in the same workout, you have this neurological response that says, whoa, I was just deadlifting. Now I got to run. Oh, my God. Yeah, something better be chasing me if I want to get out and run after I did a 200-pound deadlift. So it's the rapid adaptation to a new energy system is where the fitness element is. It's adaptation. And so, okay, maybe you're only running a mile or maybe you're only doing a few deadlifts, but when you put the two together in the same workout and now your body's got to adapt very quickly, that's a whole other place that a lot of fitness uh, paradigms don't go. And I think that's the magic of CrossFit is integrating these types of movements that target different energy systems all at the same time. That's why you can only do it for 20 minutes. Right. Is because right. gas you out big time. Is it, it, is it or can it be complementary for our endurance-based ladies? I do think so, because I think one of the things with endurance, especially if you're like a lifelong runner or a lifelong swimmer. And many of us it, are, triathletes, and, cyclists. Yeah. Right. And you're elite and you are masters of what you do, and that is fitness in and of itself. But when it comes to, okay, my bone density is going to start declining soon, I need to do something about that. That's where your heavy lifting comes in. And that's where your plyometrics comes in. I think Stacy did a great job talking about plyometrics and how it has to be different. Running every day is not getting your plyo and you got to do some box jumps. You got to do some skaters. You got to do multi-directional moves. Yeah. Right. Right. And so the great thing about CrossFit is that it can incorporate that into a week's worth of workout. You'll get your plyo, you'll get your heavy lift, you'll get your endurance, you'll get it all. 
um, maybe not all in the same workout, but you give it a week, two weeks, they'll usually be programming all that in along with mobility. And I also encourage my clients to do yoga um, because I think yoga, you know, for the mind, for the body, for the mobility, the joints, I think it's key. So I love CrossFit for my, for my clients who are in the, the peri or menopausal zone, which many of my female clients are, um, because I'm also moving my medical practice more into the menopause realm. Um, so I'm seeing more of those patients um, in dealing with their medical issues with menopause as well as training them. And so this is what I'm incorporating in. But, you know, to, to, to the stigma thing, I've got, I've, I've got one of my clients who's 60, who's like, well, I don't know if I should do Russian twists because it's going to make my obliques too big. Ah! Oh, my God. Honestly. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that. I didn't think that was what you were going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm going to get too thick. And I'm like, all right. Oh, my so God. <laughs> the Go number of Russian twists you need to do. <laughs> to make your obliques too thick is really nothing you're going to be able to achieve. Obviously, I didn't say this to her, but this is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, no, you know, I don't think you have to worry about that. It's going to trim your, your belly fat. You're going to look fantastic, trust me. But I had to chuckle under my breath. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, but if I, if I do shoulder presses, my shoulders are going to get too big. I'm going to get too bulky. No, you're not. You're going to look fantastic. Um, so, you know, that's another barrier is uh is with me with menopausal women perimenopausal women is just this oh my god am i going to get too big um the answer is probably no but that's uh but it's still you know it's good for your bone density it's good for all those things from a health standpoint that we need to uh to do but those are the barriers to people doing those things is that they have these perceptions it makes me very sad to, to hear that this is still in the in the in the water in the atmosphere but um, you know, the, the bulky, that whole bulky idea. So especially this audience, right? Can we talk a little bit about, you know, as somebody who has traditionally been extremely muscular without lifting weights, and I could show you some pictures, no one ever believed me. I'm like, trust me, my dad was a bodybuilder. I don't, I, I don't lift. But, but, <laughs> you know, now post, you know, I'm a little bit post menopause, that I, I, I wish I could put that muscle back where, you know, I mean, it, it's not, you're not going to get bulky, especially during this time when, when you really just need to hold on to that strength and muscle, because it's going to go real fast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It's a struggle. It's a struggle every day. Um, but, you know, I think you just, you just got to keep plugging away at it. And that, you know, to your last question about your endurance athletes, this is another reason why you got to incorporate these things into your um, routine is because of that muscle mass loss. You know, the hormones, you know, are, are going to do that. Just the change in estrogen and estrogen receptors on all of these tissues, which mm -hmm. I think is amazing to me that there are estrogen receptors on every single tissue in the body it's no wonder that it changes, but <laughs> right. <laughs> no wonder menopause affects us so much when yeah, you consider right. that. Yeah. I mean, when I've, when I've done it, I, you know, I still am very much an endurance based person. You know, I do like hundred some mile rides and races and stuff, but uh, it definitely, I get in there. I am, I practice more in the quote unquote off season, you know, like, so the winter time and I'm maybe in there three times a week. And, but then I, you know, I go to like once a week just to keep that, that mineral muscular strength going. And I, I feel like I have another gear on my bike when I'm practicing it. Like, I feel like it, there's no question that it adds a layer of, of power that I would otherwise not have at this point. 
Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, when I train athletes who are elite athletes in one particular thing, I may not know a lot about the sport that they do because, you know, I am not, you know, that type of athlete, but I do know what's at least going to help their particular, you know, what the, what musculature they need help with, like whether they, if they're swimmers, it's shoulders, it's upper body. Um, so it's training for the sport. It's also training for general health as well. And so you have to be careful too. Like one thing I noticed when I started doing CrossFit, when I was doing more heavy lifting, my flexibility suffered a little bit. So I did a lot of, of martial arts with the body combat training that I used to do. And so I'd like do a week of CrossFit and then I'd go teach body combat. It's like, oh my God, I can't kick above my waist because you're stiff. You know, you just, your muscles it does are create just- stiffness in the tendons and connective tissues, which you need, right? To do CrossFit, especially. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to kind of balance it out. And there was a CrossFit coach at our box who was, um, he was a capoeira master, which is a type of Brazilian jujitsu. And I remember asking him like, you know, did, does the CrossFit hurt your jujitsu? And he said, in the beginning, it did until I learned how to navigate through it. And so you have to be careful because yes, CrossFit can impact your sport negatively. Um, if you're, if you're not balancing it appropriately. So you just have to be mindful of that. And I try to be with my endurance clients for sure. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, and that's specificity of training, right? I mean, if you're going to be doing CrossFit and training several times a week with that, you're going to get really good at CrossFit, but that, but to the other thing might, to your point, you need the balance for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you like yoga as a, as a yin to that yang, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. It helps my mind. It helps me center my thoughts. Um, and it helps, it helps my body and it gives me more body control. Like for instance, I, um, I was having trouble getting a headstand, you know, uh, you know, without the assistance of a wall, when you go to CrossFit and you do a handstand, you go up against the wall, the wall's always there. But it was like another frontier to try to get in that position without assistance. And that takes a whole different body control. Mm -hmm. And I really had to work hard to get there. And then I finally got there. I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. You know, I'm 50, almost 51 years old. And I am learning new skills with my body. I can do this. And I couldn't do this when I was 30. So um, it's just another, it's like a detour. Um, that you take when your fitness has to change a little bit when you get older, but which yes, is an I, amazing detour. May I say like being, yeah. cause that is not easy to do. I have tried it and it's borderline terrifying. I think We weren't meant to be upside down. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, it gives you more body control, I think, and more mind control too, because you get used to breathing and centering your thoughts and focusing and shutting out thoughts that are disruptive. Um, I think it's, it's key. I do it once or twice a week. And how often do you do CrossFit? Um, let's see, I do CrossFit four times a week and I try to get my hit training in with my yoga, I do two days worth of HIIT training, whether it's bike or body combat. I do four days of classic CrossFit, which usually includes a heavy lift or two. And I have the yoga on one of my HIIT days. So I try to take one day off. Um, right. two. If I do two, then it's more of a mobility day. Excellent. Excellent. And that yeah. balance works for me. Yeah. T- talk a little bit about that. I know that you have been also certified in you've referenced it a couple of times, body combat, as well as body pump. 
And mm-hmm. body pump seems very opposite of CrossFit to me, if I'm, if I understand the two correctly. So can you, uh, address what those are all about? Oh yeah. The CrossFit coaches typically laugh at body pump. Um, what body pump is it's uh, it's a program by Les Mills. Les Mills is a fitness company out of New Zealand. Um, and they create all of these formats of group fitness, depending on what you like, they've got, um, they got like, not, it's not Zumba, but it's like dance type stuff. They've got uh, body combat, which is like kickboxing MMA inspired and body pump is weight training to music. Now, of course, it's not a 200 pound deadlift to, you know, to, to, and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but what it is, it's lighter weight. And it is choreographed. And what it does is it uses different tempos to get different stimulation of the muscles. Mm-hmm. And the music is awesome. Um, Les Mills spends a lot of money on getting rights to some of the popular music and doing remixes and stuff. But their belief is that music really stimulates exercise performance. And there's lots of data on that, as I know you know. So um, that's what they put it together as. And it's wonderful because it gets women... Um, in men too, who are not really familiar with weights or maybe very intimidated by weight training to, to pick up some weight and to start using it. And it just takes the mystery and the intimidation out of it. And then a lot of people who get really good at body pump, they're not so afraid to then maybe try something like CrossFit. So, uh, so it's pretty cool. It's a great way to get some weight bearing and to get some muscle strength, um, and have fun doing it. Cool. And then body combat is (laughs) <laughs> what is that the i mean i am that yeah it's like kickboxing but okay. it's like kickboxing on steroids um because it's not just kickboxing it's seven or eight different types of martial arts that's also choreographed to music um there's capoeira which like i said is brazilian jiu-jitsu there's taekwondo there's karate uh there's muay thai and they it's very authentic too because a lot of the instructors who created this program have studied martial arts in all of the different countries from where they originated and they put together this incredible program with very authentic movement um that's high intensity plyometric and uh it's just fun and empowering to be punching and kicking and just having a blast it's uh it's really a lot of fun that seems to be a good springboard, all of this, to, to, to an issue that I wanted to address that I, that I hear and I know is very real for, for women, even women who have been active most of their life, there, there comes this fear of getting hurt, mm-hmm. you know, or this feeling like maybe I shouldn't, I could get hurt. Um, can you talk a bit about that in all of these respects? Yeah, I think, um, I think we experience pain differently as we get older. Um, I know Stacy touched on this in her course as well, in the pain processing that goes along with the hormone declines. And that can sometimes be a little scary. I think when people get up and they feel their joints are feeling more creaky, there may be a little bit more fear there that something's going to go wrong. Um, But I also think that fear goes back to the body image thing. Um, like I mentioned, it's like, if I do this, am I going to get too big? Um, if I do this, you know, and yes, am I going to get hurt? That, that fear too, because we're supposed to be apparently these fragile individuals. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that sums up, so my mother is 91, right? Oh, nice. She's 90, yeah. She's a badass. She would have been back in her day. 
but she would, you know, see me come home from a workout, right? And I'm drenched in sweat. And she would say, why do you do that to yourself? My mom says that all the time. You know? And it's like, well, I'm not doing it to myself. I'm doing it for myself because it feels good and it gets me in really good shape. But it's that, that belief that we weren't built to do all this physical activity, but it, you know, for her, it's generational. She's 91. My God. <laughs> um, you know, um, but, but, the, but the killer there is that like, one day I found, like I came in the house and I was looking for, her. I'm like, Oh my God, she fell. She's on the floor somewhere. I go downstairs in my basement. I found her on my concept two rower trying to figure out how it worked. <laughs> And then she decided she was going to row every time she came to my house. And and she comes up from the basement one day. She says, honey, I think I got a PQ. I'm like, a PQ? What is that? No, mom, it's a PR. She said, yes, I did. (laughs) She says, I did did 400 meters in eight minutes. I said, that's fantastic. And And I'm like, that's why I do this to myself. It's because of that satisfaction you get from accomplishing something. And I said, and look what happened. Nothing bad happened to you. You didn't break in half. You didn't hurt yourself. And so there it is. But yeah, I think that's, that is always there. I think it's still there now. I see it in my women who are going through fertility treatment and who are pregnant. Oh my God, put your feet up once you get that positive pregnancy test, even though the data is so, so clear that exercise benefits pregnant women, women seeking pregnancy and and thereafter. But, you know, do you think I can get my nurses to encourage people to uh, go out and exercise? No. Even though I wrote the guidelines, I've emailed them the guidelines the old timers will still say, no, you're pregnant. You got to put your feet up, relax, don't do anything. Right. Cause that causes so many other actual risks like inactivity. Right. right. Yeah, Like blood clots and like diabetes and, and things like that. And uh, you know, no matter how many grand rounds I do to go over the objective data, it's still there. And it's so frustrating. I, I can't even begin. And I also find, and I, and I tell people this because I've worked with people too, who are like, oh, you know, that creakiness that you talked about, my back is kind of, I get up, I'm a little sore on my knees. And, you know, I, when I started lifting heavy shit, that stuff actually went away. Like my back didn't bother me anymore. My knees didn't bother me anymore. Yep. Totally. I know on my rest days, sometimes I feel worse than on my workout days. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's so true. It's so true. And a lot of times, like if I'm really sore from lifting, I'm going to go out and do some body combat because that's going to flush it all out and it's going to get me moving again. And, you know, I always feel better afterwards. Um, but yeah. And it's like it's like a vicious cycle. Right. Because if you feel like everything is sore, it's like, OK, I better not do anything. Then you're going to get more sore. It's like, oh my God, I really can't do anything. And then it just gets worse. It gets worse. It does, it absolutely gets worse. I mean, there's there's nothing. And eons ago, they would tell people with, with disc problems and everything, you know, don't move, bed rest. And now, like, unless you're they when 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 do they ever give bed rest anymore? Barely ever, right? Like if you can get if you can move, you should move. You've got to move. Like that's the first thing they do. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they've been getting away from the bed rest thing for a while because it just has so many other risks associated with it for sure. Um, and you know, what goes along with that too is I, we see this a lot in CrossFit on um, the, uh, the, the elite athletes, the games athletes, the women um, is the body shaming. 
that goes with that. Like if you are a CrossFit athlete, you're pregnant, like some of these women will get pregnant, they're building their families and they're still in the gym doing deadlifts. And one woman, I forget her name, she wrote a whole piece on this about the viciousness of the posts of people berating her for doing deadlifts while she's pregnant. She's a CrossFit Games athlete. If anybody can do a deadlift while pregnant, it's her. Um, and there's no reason why you shouldn't. If you usually deadlift, then you can continue to deadlift. I mean, I wouldn't tell someone to deadlift for the first time in the third trimester of their pregnancy. You know, that doesn't make sense. But if you're a seasoned athlete, then, you know, you just continue and you make some modifications and, and be done. But the shaming that comes from people, it's just, it's vicious um, what many of these women go through, not just when they're pregnant, but with the body image stuff, you got the teenage girls who are training and, you know, they're built, they're jacked because they're training. And um, it, the, there's a lot of people that aren't very kind out there. And I think that feeds into this whole fear factor of, okay, you know, I shouldn't lift too much. And it's really, really a shame. Well, as women, we're so used to being told that our bodies are for everybody but ourselves, like that we're the right. the product of, you know, it's, it's to be, we're to be looked at, you know, we're to be, but, but that's, that is, that is going and it can't get out the door soon enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you're right. I think it is going because nowadays you go to the gym, you see the teenage athletes all in their training and it's great. And you're always going to have the haters. And I think we just got to teach our young women to have confidence in themselves. Don't listen to all of this crap and just be the best you can be and be as fit as you can be and just go for it. And same with our with our audience that we're talking to right now. Like totally. now is the time. Like absolutely. How how uh leave people with a little, with a little advice for getting started if they're intimidated by lifting heavy and, and plyometrics and all of the stuff that we've been talking about. So I think finding a good coach or a good instructor is a great place to start. Um, you know, when I have my, my clients, my online clients, I get a little reluctant to try to teach them how to lift weights over Zoom, or I, I won't do it because I just don't want them to get injured. Um, but what I can encourage them to do is to find a good coach or an instructor. So if you have like a boot camp that uses weights during a class and you have a one-on-one -on -one instructor, that's one way to start. Um, just pick up some weights, you know, because it, it has to start somewhere. If you go to a CrossFit gym, usually CrossFit gyms, I would say pretty universally now, they have what's called an on-ramp or an elements class, where if you've never lifted weights before, you are with other people who have never lifted weights before, and you do a class learning the basics. And I think that is colossally important if you're going to lift weights safely, because the first thing is the safety. And then, you know, as you learn how to do things safely, then you start adding the weight and then, you know, you get more proficient at it. So finding a good coach or instructor is, I think, number one to, um, to just getting used to weights and, and not being intimidated and then just building from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. I took a fundamentals. You have to at the gym yep. that I went to, you have to take mm -hmm. fundamentals. And it, I mean, it's, it, it just takes all of that away, right? Because you can go then and you know what you're doing and you feel confident that you can lift. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's super important. Well, there's a t-shirt in the CrossFit world. It calls it all starts with the PVC pipe because <laughs> when we teach technique, it's always with the PVC. 
um, because that's where you got to start. And it all starts there. And, you know, you've got some of the best, best athletes in the world that have started with a PPC pipe. And sometimes you've got to go back to it. If you have an injury or an issue, you know, okay, I can't snatch today, but I'm going to work with the PVC pipe and that's okay. That PVC becomes your friend. <laughs> and what do you see as the biggest benefit for, you know, you said you're moving more into this menopausal transition woman. What do you see as the biggest benefit for her? Um, the, I'm trying to understand the question. The, benefit the biggest for benefit the- for like, I know there are many benefits, but what do you like, what do you think are some of the primary benefits for this menopausal woman walking in and starting to do this kind of workout that you're talking about, like a CrossFit style. Confidence to believe that she is still able to make gains, get fit, get stronger and mentally empower herself. I think that is the best thing that, um, that, that you can, that, that a, a peri or postmenopausal woman can get um, if she's not used to that kind of activity is just that confidence in that, oh my God, I can't believe I can do this. Cause you can, you absolutely can. You can do gymnastics. You can do all of these things. I'm a better athlete now at 50 than I was when I was 30 because of CrossFit, because I couldn't jump rope. I couldn't do a handstand. I can do handstand pushups now. And I mean, this is all, I started CrossFit when I was 45. I was perimenopausal when I started CrossFit. And so I made leaps and bounds in my fitness um, because of that. And it just gave me a lot of confidence. And I think other women um, can be there too. And metabolically speaking? I think it helps with the insulin resistance because it's training your body to use sugar. It's got to use it because your body is needing it because of the, um, the endurance and the lifting. So I think it can help with that. I think it helps with fat burning and keeping your lipids in check. Um, yeah, I think those are probably in, in the bone density. I think the bone density is really key too. Osteoporosis is like, it's like the silent killer. It's, it's there until, you know, until you have a fracture and then, you know, God forbid. Um, yeah, it's, um, I think there's tremendous disease prevention um, that, you know, cardiovascular disease, which is the number one killer of women. I think there's lots to be done there um, with uh, cardiovascular health as well. Sky's the limit. Awesome. I, I think that, is there anything that we haven't covered that you, that you wanted to, to cover with this? Cause I think we, we hit all the boxes that I want to make sure. I think the, 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 the only parting thing that I might say is, you know, the only way we're going to be bridging any gaps, you know, between medicine and wellness is to be advocates for ourselves, you know, more and more. And like I said, the CrossFit community has created CrossFit health. There's going to be more resources out there for women to really take charge of their own health And when they go to their doctor who innocently may be like, well, you know, you're just getting older and whatever, you have resources and say, no, I don't want to just get older. Getting old is not on my itinerary. This is what I want to do to stop it. Can you help me? And I think if a doctor's presented with that, they'll be receptive because I don't think doctors are doing it maliciously. I think it's just they're doing it because they just don't know. We haven't been educated in that way. So be advocates for yourself, fight the good fight. And uh, it's ours for the taking, I think. Hit Play, Not Pause is proud to be sponsored by Noon Hydration in 2021. I have been a huge fan of Noon for well over a decade. They have products for immunity, recovery, getting a good night's rest, And I absolutely swear by their Podium series, which include branched-chain amino acids that are super important for women during and after menopause. So show your support 
and head over to noonlife.com. That's noon, N-U-U-N, life, one word. And use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, again, one word, with a capital F and a capital M, for 30%, yes, 30% off of all of Noon's amazing products. Again, noonlife.com, use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, with a capital F and a capital M, and get 30% off of anything you want. Check it out. Well, that's our show. That interview was definitely enlightening, but I'll tell you what was also enlightening, how fun it was for me to try to say Carla's last name without tying my tongue in knots. Dr. Carla Jibal... Oh my God, this is going to be hard. (laughs) Let me try one more time. Carla DeGirolamo. Carla DeGirolamo. Carla DeGirolamo. Carla DeGirolamo. (laughs) Okay, so join me next week when I sit down with accomplished pro cyclist, endurance runner, and coach Julie Young, who works as a sports science specialist at the Kaiser Sports Medicine Endurance Lab. She has Oh boy, she has a lot to say about not letting yourself be limited by what society thinks you should be able to do at any given age or no matter what your hormones are doing, kind of what this show is all about. So be sure to tune in for that one. And until next week, as always, stay feisty. listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty.